Thanks for listening and choosing this podcast. This is Coming Out Stories. I'm your host, Emma Goldswell. It's brought to you by What Goes On Media. And basically, we bring you a brand new, inspiring LGBTQ plus story every fortnight. Please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can follow us on all the socials via at Come Out Stories on Twitter and at Coming Out Stories Pod on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Now, this is a cracking episode because I got to chat to the first openly gay police chief in Kentucky. Yes, really. He's called Grady Thonebury. And forget life begins at 40, Grady didn't live his truth and come out till he was in his 60s. It's quite a story. And here's where it starts. I think I always knew it. I became profoundly aware of it in adolescence, during adolescence, 12, 13 years old. And it was pretty clear to me that I wasn't standard fare, so to speak. Were you attracted to other boys then when you were at school? Oh, yes. Yeah, very much. And was there much talk about being gay or LGBT people? or give, You don't have to give your age away, but give us a ballpark sort of decade. When was this? What, what year were you at school? I, I graduated uh, high school in 72, so this would have been in the late 60s early 70s and and uh, no there wasn't much talk about sexual orientation it was assumed that everyone was straight uh, that was the safest place gosh so that you were at school pre stonewall and pre anyone going on a pride march in your country so i'm guessing it was quite a difficult time and place to be gay yeah the only pride marches were when the high school football team won something and they, they took great pride in that Nobody took pride in being an alternative for gender or sexuality, I guess. No, no, not at all. So you decided, I guess, because of the era and where you were living, that you were just going to keep quiet about it? Is that how you went about things? Yeah, that was uh, survival mode. That was what had to be. Uh, It was uh, uh, very uncomfortable even thinking about being anything other than straight. Uh, the family situation was such that, well, I'm not sure what would have happened, but I'm sure it would have involved some sort of physical abuse <laughs> and uh, homelessness had I come out during that well, time. You're laughing now, but I'm guessing it would have been terrifying at the time as a young person. Yeah, and it's kind of terrifying to think about it. Um, the short version is uh, my mom ran off when I was about eight years old, and uh, my brother and I uh, were raised by my dad, who was pretty much the, the Marlboro man, and uh, uh, he would not have <laughs> welcomed that news uh, at all. And was it quite a religious upbringing as well? No, no, not at all, not at all. We were CNE Christians uh, as a family, you know, the Christmas and Easter. Oh, and, right. uh, I get it. Yeah, and uh, that was it, and I think that probably was mostly just for show. I found myself involved in the local neighborhood church because it was it was close and it was non-threatening and I didn't have to be engaged in uh, the kind of banter that uh, adolescent boys uh, typically are engaged in, you know, with regard to girls and all that sort of thing. And so it was a safe place. And in the 60s or even 70s, did you know any other gay people? Were there gay people in your community? And if so, how were they treated? Uh, there were a couple in high school that uh, that we all suspected. Uh, as it turns out, we were right. And uh, mm. a couple of them have become uh, friends since I came out. 
but it was just not talked about. No one spoke of it. No one even acknowledged it. So, Does that mean on the plus side that nobody was getting bullied <clears throat> for it? Nobody was being pointed at or given homophobic slurs like they might have been in the 80s? You know, Emma, I don't know if that was the case because uh, during that period of time I wasn't close to those boys. I can't really say if anyone was bullying them or or uh, taunting them. And I certainly wasn't hanging around with the folks who might have done that. And I'm guessing it wasn't being directed at you then. I'm guessing you were, for want of a better word, stealth, and nobody assumed you were gay, and you just got on with it and pretended you were straight, did you? Well, everyone just assumed that I was straight and uh, a nerd. I had the pocket protector, and in fact, I still have my pocket protector. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I don't care. What is a pocket protector? I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a you stick it in your shirt pocket to uh, keep your shirt from getting ink marks from your pens and pencils and things. Oh, because you've got so, your pens in yeah, your pocket. I don't carry it anymore. I'm not that big a nerd. But, you know, I was the nerd. I was the slide rule guy. Uh, yeah. Very proud of my slide rule. And people just assumed that I was just a nerd and that was the end of it. And you didn't get bullied for that, did you? Mm, maybe a little because nerds weren't really popular <laughs> in a school that was... Uh, Highly focused on uh, boys' athletics. So I'm guessing you lived your life for quite a while pretending you were straight, didn't you? What happened after college? I did what was expected, Emma. I got married to a woman. Uh, She and I, by the way, are still best friends. We're still very close. We have two adorable daughters who are grown and some grandkids. And um, I just lived that way for 40 years. So. 40 years. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I have spoken to people that have come out a bit later in life, but to live a straight life for 40 years mm-hmm. is a long time. Yeah, it's even longer when you have thoughts and desires that uh, that you can't really explore. Did you ever do anything about it, though? Did you ever try and talk to anyone about it? No, never, never. I was always afraid. Uh, just kept it to myself. Gosh. And what was the turning point then? Because I've read that it was, everything seemed to happen in 2018 for you, didn't it? Didn't it? Which is fairly recently. Yeah, about 2017. I just found that I was so angry all the time and bitter. And I wasn't really sure why. And I just started exploring that with myself. No therapist, no friends to talk to about it or anything and I just finally came to the conclusion that I had to be who I was and I'm older and I felt like I just didn't want the last third of my life to be like the first two-thirds not that the first two-thirds were horrible I'm lucky in that I have kids which a lot of gay men don't get to experience and uh, Mm -hmm. life wasn't terrible I don't mean to represent it that way but I just wasn't happy and so I decided I needed to make a change well it's very very difficult living in the closet I think isn't it and and not living your truth it's quite quite damaging to your soul isn't it and and to your mental health well you've explained already you were were feeling very very angry yes so what conclusion did you come to I decided I had to come out and I wasn't sure how to do that I more than anything, needed friends. Never felt like I had close male friends. 
which I think men need. And I concluded that the reason I didn't have male friends is I felt like at some point I would slip and expose myself. Not physically, however, but uh, in something that I said or something that I did, uh, you know, and reveal myself. And so it was very difficult to have male friends So because I couldn't open up to anyone. And then uh, in the process of trying to dis- find male friends, I found myself on some of the some of the apps. Uh, ah, okay. Yes, yes, yes. A dating app. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> or a more a more casual app. Yes. yes. Yeah. We'll call it a dating app. <laughs> for, uh, I'm not sure. A hookup app. Yeah. Then, yeah. 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 And uh, the first person I met was someone that I thought would be a good friend because at that point I wasn't looking for hookups. And we did become friends, and he had a similar background. He was younger, but had a little similar background to me. He had been involved in youth ministry, and uh, I don't think we touched on the fact that bivocational, I was an associate pastor. So religion was your job? Uh, Part of it, just a part-time job. I'm a police chief is my full-time day job. Uh, So two serious roles there, Grady, in the community. Uh, yeah, some days more serious than others. Uh, but uh, uh, we became friends, and we were having lunch a couple of times a week, and he was kind of coaching me and mentoring me. And uh, as you might have suspected, it ultimately turned into more than that. It became romantic. And I had told my then wife and my kids, but no one else knew. So you you were still married, but you did tell your wife before you went off and... Yes. Join the app. Yes, 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 yes. Um, ah, okay. At what age were you at this stage then, Grady? Uh, about 62. Wow. So you waited till he was 62 to come out? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, he got really impatient with my progress or lack of progress, mm-hmm. you know, filing for divorce and all that sort of thing. And I felt like I needed to do it on my own and in my own timing. So his impatience turned into anger, and he decided he was going to uh, expedite the process for me. And so he decided he was going to out me. Uh, what? Yes. Oh, no. uh, uh, so he utilized social media to, to its full extent to expose me to everyone, launched a letter-writing campaign to uh, the mayor of the city that I worked for and all of my council members telling them about me and accusing me of all sorts of awful things. Oh, my God, how horrific. Yeah. And what was the repercussions of that, being chief of police? Well, the mayor was very understanding, and uh, he talked with our city attorney, and they did some investigation and concluded there was nothing to the uh, allegations uh, that this guy had made. Uh, but then he asked to meet with me, and... I knew what that was going to be about. He's a wonderful man. He, he told me that my personal life was my own business, and mm-hmm. he appreciated the job that I had done for them. And at the end of the conversation, he said, um, I don't care if you sleep with five different guys a week. At that point, it was such a relief. And, and as I say in the book, just to break the tension, I asked if six would be okay. And... <laughs> I like your sense of humor, Greg. And uh, uh, he's been very supportive. The entire council has been supportive. 
so that's been really good. And you know, I've been the chief there for 15 years, so I didn't want to lose that job, and I enjoyed it. Well, quite right. Why should you lose your job? It's not, you no. know, it's no longer the 1940s. You're not gonna, you can't get fired for uh, your sexuality. Hopefully, you can here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Forgive me. Yes, uh, it's slightly different in the yeah, US, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark guess that um, in doing that, in outing you, did not help the relationship in any way, <laughs> uh, or endear him more to you. Oh no, no. After doing all that, he became uh, non-communicative, and uh, I haven't spoken to him since that time. He ended up moving to another state and marrying some poor slob. (laughs) (laughs) If I could find the address, I'd send a sympathy card, but (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. I mean, joking aside, I mean, we talk about this occasionally on the podcast. You know, well, just we talk about the fact that you have to come out in your own time, and it is nobody else's business to out you. But, I mean, how damaging was it for you, even though it turned out all right with the mayor and you kept your job? How damaging and terrifying a time was that for you? It was pretty bad. And, uh, Emma, what I haven't touched on yet is that during that same time period, uh, he was sending letters to the senior pastor and staff at the church where I was. He's a right piece of work, this guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. And so the church had told me that I had to resign. Um, what? Uh, so um, it was, it was uh, about two months of real torture. And they were able to do that. They were within the law yes. in Kentucky to fire you from your job as being a pastor and helping all those people because you were gay. Yeah. In, this, uh, in, in the U.S., the religious liberty laws say that you know, religious institutions can make those decisions. And in my day job, I serve at the pleasure. I really don't have job security beyond the, the goodwill of the mayor that I work for. So uh, yeah. I could have been fired, yes, without explanation. But they were able, because they're a religious institution, to fire you because of your sexuality. Yes, yes. And how did you cope with that? That must have been... A lot to deal with. Uh, you know, you've been involved in the church since you were a child. Gave you a lot of stability. How did it feel to have them do that to you? Well, a couple of things, uh, Emma. I, I began to really question whether I wanted to be involved with any religious institutions any longer. You know, I still felt like I had my faith, but during that time and even before, when I was struggling with who I was, you know, I wondered, you know, does God really love me? And, you know, my, my education is theological. And even though I knew uh, that I was wrong in my, <laughs> the way I was looking at this, I felt like, you know, I've prayed about this for 40 years, literally and figuratively on my knees, asking God to fix me. And thinking that even though I knew that's not the way it worked, you know, I was thinking, maybe just hoping that that's the way it worked. And God never fixed me. And so the conclusion, the only conclusion that I could draw was that the God who raised the dead and gave sight to the blind could have fixed me had God wanted to do that. Hmm. So there must not be anything wrong with me. And that was extraordinarily liberating. And 
I found my faith again. It's been wonderful. Well, I'm not religious, but I will say amen to that train of thought for sure. So did you ever speak to anyone from the church again? I mean, you must have had good friends there. Uh, I thought I did. I uh, ran into, I've run into a couple uh, here and there. I have actually performed weddings for a couple of them since I left, officiated weddings and uh, a couple of funerals. But I'm not sure what the church leadership told the congregation about why I left. No one in leadership will speak with me any longer, so I don't know how that was represented. Just absolutely blows my mind that, you know, people that claim to care for people and preach things like, you know, treat others like you should treat yourself can act in such an inhumane way. Yeah, but we've all seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. In all kinds of scenarios, there's something about maintaining an exclusivity in various groups, and the church is not an exception. So, um, yeah, for sure. uh, I, it's troubling. But you're learning to live life without them, and you've got your faith still, and yeah, you squared it with God. Yeah, and two of my closest friends, our closest friends, are guys that I met <laughs> through using an app. They've been together for 38 years. They're a married gay couple. And I met them for breakfast one morning. And we just became really good friends. They invited me to their church. And uh, as soon as I walked in that morning, I knew that was where I needed to be. I've been there ever since. And uh, it's just a wonderful group of people. A lot of uh, gay and lesbian couples serving in leadership as well as uh, just attending. And so it's been wonderful. Brilliant. So you can still practice your faith, but with other queer people as well. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the way it should be. So one thing we sort of glossed over there in, in your story was, I mean, you talked about how you joined the app and went and found um, some people. But before that, you actually did tell your wife. So how, how did that conversation go? Um. She was surprised, (laughs) as you can imagine. It took her a while to process, and um, she was in disbelief for a while. Our practice was to sit in the backyard and have coffee in the mornings uh, before we headed to work. And one morning, uh, she was sitting there very thoughtfully, and she said, So all these years, when we would go on vacations or we would be out shopping... You weren't looking at the other women? I said, no, I wasn't looking at the other women. And uh, we both kind of had a good laugh about it. And You know, she doesn't understand this still and may never. And that's okay. Uh, But she still cares about me. And as I said, we're still very close. She thinks I'm wrong. She thinks it's a choice that I made. Oh, she doesn't think that you were born gay? No, no. She thinks it's a choice. One of my daughters actually thinks it's a choice as well. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question, how how your, how your daughters took it. Did you sit them both down together? Tell them? Not together. We couldn't work that out, but uh, we did sit down and talk. One of my daughters is very accepting, uh, very open to it. Uh, she and her children, are, they just love Devin. We see them fairly often. The other one, uh, not so much. 
she will be around us together, but won't let her kids be around us together. So, and, Good uh, God. You know, what is with that? Well, I, I'm not sure, Emma. Maybe I taught her too well when she was younger. But all of my friends say that she will come around, and uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, that's... So. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm, flab- I'm just flabbergasted. I know it happens, but every time I hear about it, it's just... Yeah. It just makes me so sad that you can't have that relationship with your grandchildren. Yeah. Well, I see them, but she just won't let us mm. be together and see them. So it's uh, mm. okay. it's not terrible, but it's not ideal either. So, no. So, okay. Well, but, you just mentioned Devon there. So how long ago did you meet him? And uh, <laughs> tell us this love story. <laughs> uh, Devon and I had served on a, the board of a local... Uh, gay men's chorus together for about a year and i dropped off and he stayed on and then we kind of lost touch for a year or year and a half my closest friend who's like me came out late in life Uh, he was had dinner with his boyfriend at the time and went for drinks after and called on a saturday night and invited me to come and meet them about 10 30 my first instinct was to say no i'm in for the evening but then after a few minutes Mm -hmm. i said okay Order me a drink and I'll be there. And so I was sitting there having a drink with them at one of the local gay bars. And uh, in walks Devin. And we just started chatting a little bit. And you know, it was very comfortable. The next day we messaged several times. That was on a, on a Saturday. We messaged uh, on Sunday. Monday was Memorial Day here in the States. And that was our first date. And we just walked, uh, took a nice long walk and had lunch and spent a few hours together. Our second date was actually church. I invited him to go to church with me. Uh, Well, it's important to you then, yeah, why not? And I'd invited others in the past and nobody ever said yes. But Devin said yes. So I took that as a good sign. And that's been 20 months, I guess, every Sunday we get up and go to church and then have lunch with friends from church it's been really good so you've been together 20 months yes did you say you were married no that's going to happen on may 20th (gasps) so who proposed then well it was me (laughs) oh wow and how did that feel well it had been a long time but it Mm -hmm. was really good yeah it was really good Hey, tell me, what was it like going to gay bars for the first time in your 60s? That must have been a bit weird. Uh, it might have been more uncomfortable if I'd gone by myself, but I went with friends who were trying to help me get my gay card. I was kind of shielded. You know, they were kind of the buffer. So it worked out okay. It worked out fine. Uh, and you're in such a good place. You've decided to, to write your memoirs, haven't you? And uh, tell us a little bit about the book and why why you wanted to write it. I wrote it for three reasons. One is I was surprised at how many guys like me there are, guys who have struggled all their life with this, guys who are still struggling, still closeted, trying to find the courage to come out, trying to find support to come out. And so I wrote wrote it first to to encourage them, you know, and and tell them it's okay and tell them to do it in their own time also be a little cautious who you share that with because it didn't go well for me 
What a cautionary tale that part is, yeah. Uh, so that was one of the reasons. The other reason, uh, or second reason, was I felt like it was it marked a point of no return for me. Once this thing was published, I was never going to consider going back. Not that I would have, but there was always that thought. Did I do the wrong thing? Have I made the wrong decision here? That was the second reason. And then the third reason is to comment on the what was then and still is the political and cultural climate here in the States uh, with regard to sexual orientation and gay marriage and all that sort of thing. So you still you still think there are problems? There's still there's still a lot of uh, battles to be fought, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think we all agree it's better, but there's still a lot of a lot of debate about it. The in the states, the we call it the religious right, the conservative evangelicals, the Christian nationalists. There's all sorts of names for it. The people that would fire other people for being gay. Yes, Those and people. they think that if you have rights, then they lose a right somehow so they think that if i'm able to marry a man that i love that they somehow have lost their right to marry a woman they love Uh, there's a lot of battling about it it's a weird mentality isn't it you're right they do seem to feel threatened in some way don't they it does equal marriage or or any sort of rights that we might have it really does yeah so let people know what the book's called the book's called gay and gray meaning gay and old (laughs) it's called code for gay and old (laughs) Uh, my journey to the rainbow i love it yeah so if you want to find out more about grady's incredible journey then um go and find his book that's that's the simple answer isn't it really um but i always like to ask people before they leave um a snippet of advice so i guess really a lot you wrote that book for people in your situation people who've been in the closet for a long time so maybe your advice should be directed to other people who have gone through you know, or still going through what you went through. So what advice would you give to people living in the closet now? Just do it in your own time. Uh, find someone to mm-hmm. talk with. I have regretted that I didn't have someone to coach me, someone other than <laughs> the jerk that did, <laughs> that exposed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there are people out there. There are support groups. That would be one piece of advice a second piece of advice is be gay your own way. There's a lot of pressure, especially I, I discovered when I came out. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to do what are presumed to be gay things, you know, mm. uh, one of which might be going to gay bars, join the gay bowling league, go to the gay campground, you know. embrace drag all of those sorts of things and i'm not saying that i don't like those things or i do i'm just saying uh there's pressure there's a lot of pressure on sort of body image isn't there i think particularly for gay men i mean you don't have to go to the gym five times a week and you don't have to be a muscle mary you know you don't you don't have to be all these things which uh some gay men feel the pressure to to be exactly and that that's emma that's exactly part of it uh there's a lot of pressure Mm. to to dress the white right way, wear the right shoes, buy the right jewelry, drive the right car, all of those things. And you don't have to do that. So. It's crazy, isn't it, when you think about it? We've spent our entire lives, you know, being judged by straight society. Yes. And then uh, we get in our own community and we all judge each other all over again. You are absolutely right. There's a lot of judgment in the gay community. By the way, as an older gay man, <laughs> there's also some ageism 
And uh, oh, I bet. Yeah. And it's not terrible. And uh, not everyone is is an ageist, but there is some. And it's not all directed towards the older gay men. There are a lot of middle-aged gay men that think younger gay men are, you know, goofy and silly and unsettled and unpredictable and insecure and, uh, you know, mm. so mm. just don't judge. Yeah. Good advice. So. Yes. And any any regrets that it took you 40 years being married to a woman and coming out at 60? Ever wish you'd done it earlier? In some ways, you know, I wish I had. In other ways, I might have become a statistic. You know, so many of the people that came out during that turbulent time of the 60s and 70s ended up with diseases that were fatal, you know, or crippling or debilitating. I could have been a statistic. So I don't really regret that. I think I probably missed a lot. Uh, But it's not a regret. One of my biggest regrets... One of my biggest failures in life is hurting people that I care about by coming out. You know, hurting my ex-wife, hurting my kids. I don't know if I hurt people in my church. Maybe I did, but I don't have much contact with them. So, But you couldn't carry on any longer hurting yourself, could you, by being in the closet? No, the sounds no you can't. Sometimes you have to take care of yourself first. Oh, well, Grady, thank you so much for talking to me. Let's just end by hearing your exciting plans for your spring wedding. Well, we are just formalizing that. It's uh, going to be moderate in size, probably about 100 uh, at our church. We've decided we're going to have three efficients. Uh, Our church is fortunate to have a married gay man as one of our co-pastors, and we have a woman as our other co-pastor, And then our former pastor, who just left there a few months ago to take another position, was the pastor who actually guided that church into its open and affirming status, which caused the denomination that we were part of to kick us out. So we're asking all three of them to co-officiate because they represent parts of the community that are important to us. We don't know where we're going on a honeymoon, but I'm thinking Devin's got Paris on his mind. Has he? Devon, what a romantic man he is. Yes, he is. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you the most wonderful wedding oh. in uh, May and a, uh, fingers crossed, a beautiful honeymoon in Europe. Well, thank you. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me. A massive thank you to Grady for taking the brave decision to A, finally come out, and B, for sharing a story with me. It still shocks me that you can be fired for being gay in the US. Anyway, if you'd like to find out more about his story, you can, of course, get his book, Gay and Grey, My Journey to the Rainbow. And there's more information at gayandgrey.net. And it would be remiss of me if I didn't mention our own book too. That's simply called Coming Out Stories. And it's edited by me, Emma Goswell, and my brilliant producer, Sam Walker. Next episode, we are off to the Highlands of Scotland, no less, to speak to Andrew, who identifies as bisexual and is behind the LGBTQ sport website, Pride of the Terraces. He told me that while he's now very publicly out, it was a big deal when he came out in his student newspaper. When I talked about visibility and seeing other people living their true lives, there was another member of the paper while I was there who was openly queer, and he decided for LGBT History Month 
to try and get an article from an LGBT perspective every single day of the month. And I saw that and it was amazing seeing all these different perspectives, people's different stories. And once I told my family, I was like, I kind of want to contribute to this. So he was doing it again. And one of the articles for that year was me coming out publicly.